we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for September 17th, 2013. This is part three, um, continuing on with, I guess, our health corner pandemic warning alerts. Uh, this is entitled CDC Contracting with Poison Control Centers. In 211, I guess the number 211, to create public phone phone in bird flu triage centers. Now, again, if it was just one thing I was reporting on, like the last thing on the Pacific Rim, it'd be one thing. But we're seeing what's coming out of, of the Orient regarding H7N9, how virulent this stuff is. They're having this massive buildup in these Pacific Rim islands now of all these you know, preposition of supplies. And then now we've got the CDC contracting with poison control centers and the number 211 to create public phone in bird flu triage centers. Now, this is from August 13th of this year, 2013. Uh, it says, to avert panic during the expected H7N9 influenza outbreak, the CDC is creating a national severe pandemic flu triage center which will allow people to dial 211 and speak to a poison control center, I don't understand what they say, poison, but poison control center nurse who has been trained to triage pandemic bird flu cases. <laughs> and he gives the federal solicitation numbers for this, and they're, they're given, um, I give it to you here in the, uh, in the PDF and, I, and also in the video that I'm going to be playing now as well. And um, we'll go ahead and roll that. Welcome to the Power Block site, August 12th, 2013. If you're one of the very few people who's actually going to watch this video, uh, you're one of the very few people who understand, outside the corridors of power, how significantly the federal government is preparing for an H7N9 pandemic to hit this year and in the coming years. Uh, today, on Federal Biz Ops, the CDC is releasing a contract uh, to support... Now again, this is right off federalbizops.gov. This is right straight from the government. And it's 211 support for national nurse triage line during a severe influenza pandemic. A national nurse triage line during a severe influenza pandemic. And basically what they're doing here is they're trying to come up with a way to... Uh, keep people from going to the hospital and uh, how to, who to call when H7N9 hits your family. So what they're doing is they're looking to contract with United Way for their 211 phone service. So you would call 211 on your phone and you would actually be connected with, as you see in the second contract here, a poison control nurse who's been trained to uh, figure out how to triage your case of H7N9 bird flu. Now, if you watch my presentation on the avian flu i've got a couple different ones one's a five part one's like a 16 part i give you the links to that a little bit later uh which again and that that is valid for about 98 percent of what we're discussing true h7n9 is more i believe a different animal but basically the same warnings the same things to think about the same ways you would want to go about combating it um and one of the things you'll see is a lot of quotes from a lot of the MDs, and they and they're like, "Listen, when this happens, when we have one of these pandemics like we're describing here, the hospitals will be overwhelmed so quickly that there will not be 
enough room for even a fraction of the people trying to beat down our doors, getting in, essentially. We'll be overwhelmed. So, again, now they're trying to have some contingency for this, and they're setting up these national nurse triage lines for these coming severe influenza pandemic, what they're terming as influenza. They're not going to come out and say H7N9 or some other strain. They're going to just say influenza. So, they're doing this for that reason, because they know the hospitals will be totally overwhelmed. So this should give you some idea of how significantly the federal government is uh, preparing for an H7N9 uh, influenza pandemic. I mean, this is, these are significant preparations. Uh, also recently in one of their uh, solicitations, they've had this note here in red. It says, due to the urgency of ongoing preparedness activities for a influenza A H7N9 virus, available funding for awards uh, may be limited, Plus, they're going to give favoritism to uh, uh, systems that uh, concentrate on the H7N9 virus. So, as we say here on our website, now let's go to that real quick, is that they're basically setting this up to avert panic. And we list here the solicitations. Now, Despite our own belief that there is a low risk of, wide, of a widespread high fatality bird flu pandemic this year, the massive preparations the federal government is undertaking for just such an occurrence can only be foolishly, foolishly ignored. And what we've done here is what we've, we've showed here what we recently purchased the following types of items to cost effectively risk mitigate this expected outbreak. And we believe these things offer a Darwinian advantage if there's a severe pandemic. Uh, in those regards, the Thanksgiving turkey may also be coming off our menu as turkeys have a history of H7N9 in the United States. And we show three things here. Typically direct contact with raw poultry is what you'd be looking at there. Uh, if it's Once it's cooked, there's no, there's no risk. But if you had bought a a, a raw turkey, just handling that, literally, you could be putting yourself at risk if there's, you know, an outbreak. So, he's going to get into some of the things that, uh, let me just see here. Yeah. Chlorhexidine, gluconate, hippoclins, P100 masks, specifically P100 if you're going to look for a mask, and then a home-based uh, HEPA filter. Uh, the hippoclans, as we discussed in detail, we have links on our site, uh, just basically makes a coating on your skin. Uh, it's a surgical wash that keeps killing bugs for six hours after you wash with it. Uh, these other two things are things that are, you know, if you're going to have somebody sick in your home, this is going to help keep it from spreading. And we're going to go... Uh, I'm sorry, but this is the part where I believe the guy starts to fall flat on his face. Uh, you're dealing with a surgical thing supposedly, uh, uh, I'm not saying it wouldn't be bad to have this chloride stuff or whatever. Um, I'm not saying it'd be bad to have that, but if it's airborne, and it most likely will be at that point, it's going to do you no good. Okay? Um, uh, yeah, if it's just purely human-to-human direct contact, yeah, but you would probably literally want to be wearing some disposable surgical gloves if you were literally worrying about that and just literally getting rid of those things before you walked in your door would be the safest thing. Also, with these masks he's talking about, I got into this in my t- in my presentation. If it's if it's airborne at that point, 
one of these little uh, kind of it's yeah, it's a better mask than your like your standard surgical or painter's mask. But you need to have a, basically an airtight seal with your skin. Okay, you cannot get that with one of these with one of these even the higher end paper masks. You're not going yes, if that's all you had, sure. But it would be better to have some type of literal biological mask where there was a rubber seal to the skin. You know, I mean, I'm talking about ideal if you could do that. Okay, but and we're not talking outrageous amounts of money to get one of those. I give you some links for these things a little bit later on. And then the HEPA filter. Oh my word. When he said that, I was like, come on, dude. HEPA filter is not going to do anything for this. A HEPA filter will actually become a breeding ground for the very thing you're supposedly trying to battle. I don't use HEPA filters in in, in um, uh, any type of home environment because literally they can become a breeding grounds for the very thing you're supposedly trying to contain. Now, um, I'm going to let him finish out here and then I'm going to get into my, what I would recommend on the air filtration there in a second. All this in much more detail later. But... Uh... Uh, key thing to, to take away from this is that the government is making massive preparations. It's just unbelievable the amount of money they're spending and the efforts they're going through to prevent panic when this stuff hits. Let's hope they're wrong. Well, let's pray they're wrong. I think that would be much more proactive. Now, the one that I use or recommend um, is the, they're called the Royal Air Purifiers. And it used to be another company, I think it was Aaron. And they actually make what this stuff, it's called Aaron. It's not just ozone uh, that cleans the air. The Royal, and now I have no vested interest with this company. I'm just telling you I think this would be one of the best things you could invest in regarding indoor air quality. Okay. The Royal Air Purifier process is the most, and I'm just reading this, I just copied and pasted this right off their website, is the most advanced and effective technology available today for air purification and pollution control. Many air purifiers claim to clean the air, but what they fail to mention is that the air must pass through the air purifier, like HEPA filters. Okay, And they don't really do anything to kill the germs, just passing through it and hoping that, and then again, then they can become an actual breeding ground for the very bacteria. So, um, it says, so all the air in your house must pass through the air purifier. So good luck with that. Air pure, air, uh, royal air purifiers work differently. Royal air purifiers create Aaron, which is a special high level form of activated oxygen that seeks out and destroys pollutants, bacteria, mold, spores, and pet dander, not only in the air, but on the surfaces as well. Royal air purifiers are safe, effective, and affordable solution to indoor air pollution, unleashing the natural purifying power of oxygen. Purify the air, sound like a commercial or an infomercial. Now, again, I've got no vested interest in here. I've used one of these for years. They're reliable. They're they're not real super cheap, but you get what you pay for. Um, then again, they're not the most expensive one I've seen on the on the uh, market either. I give you a link to their website here and uh, royalairpurifiers.com. Royalairpurifiers one word dot com. I also give you a link here. So you can avail yourself to that. I think that's very important as well. Indoor air quality, you know. Um, these are things that are really proactive. Uh, to me, having a surgical wash on your hands, yeah, it's proactive, but 
what if it's airborne? I mean, and it gets into the air system in the house, and then everybody, I mean, that thing on your hands ain't going to help you too much. Um, HEPA filters are a joke, you know. Um, the, these masks that he's recommending, they don't have a tight seal to the skin. They don't have, like, a tight rubber seal. They're not going to be sufficient if this thing is as bad. So he's, I mean, God bless him for putting these things up, but he's falling way, way, way short on the whole recommendation thing. Um, and so hopefully I can fill in some gaps here. Now, next report, large-scale H79 outbreak being prepared for. Now, this is from June 5th of 2013 of this year. Centers for Disease Control has immediate need to order assay kits to test three. And now, these are all separate articles from one another that we're covering. And this has all happened, like, from last April, this last April till now. Uh, CDC has immediate need to order assay kits to test 300,000 uh, plus H7N9 patient viral samples for resistance to antiviral drugs. Either the CDC is expecting the immediate emergence of a large-scale H7N9 hemorrhagic bird flu outbreak or a large-scale unreported H7 outbreak is currently occurring. I don't think that's happening because we would have known by now. But um, there's just one other major thing that they seem to be preparing for. Okay, so next report. Hemorrhagic bird flu government preps uh, 512 million syringes. This is from May 20th of 2013. The U.S. government is preparing to purchase 512 million syringes for, pan- for the pandemic hemorrhagic bird flu vaccinations. Now we're going to get into the vaccinations. The media has not reported the hemorrhagic nature of the H7N9 bird flu. But it is clearly indicated in the Chinese studies via the term via the term disseminated intervascular coagulation. We cover this information in more detail in the video, but the key factors to be aware of in regards to the H7N9 bird flu are as follows. The government has released a $0.6 billion medical countermeasure purchase order. Also, H7N9 is a hemorrhagic flu. Like Ebola. Hemorrhagic. What does that mean? That means you you will potentially, the way that it will kill you is that you will bleed out internally. You will bleed out through your eyes, through every orifice. That's how it actually is one of the main ways it works. Now I'm going to get into some proactive things beyond what I've even talked about with mild silver protein. About that as well. H7N9 spreads via migratory bird flu, bird, bird movements. Feral pigeons are a prime potential source for human infection. Pigeons. Okay? H7N9 is nearly 100% fatal without long-term advanced life support equipment, equipment, which will be non-existent if this were to happen on a global scale. Advanced life support equipment would be non-existent. Let's face it. Okay, only ones that would ha- have access to that stuff would be the rich, the richest of the rich. You know, most likely. So this stuff's nearly 100% fatal. Unless you, I mean, if you do nothing and you rely on EMDs without advanced life support equipment, it's about 100% chance you you would die. H7N9 is about 25% fatal with advanced life support equipment. So evidently, these people in China, they were able to actually get them 
onto advanced life support equipment in time where it only had like a 20-some percent kill rate. Okay. Um, this is what they're not saying in the news, though. The amount of available advanced life support equipment is very limited, obviously. The U.S. government is prepping to order 512 million syringes. There are only 300 million people in the U.S. So, i.e., at least two shots for every man, woman, and child, most likely. The FDA is prepping to use adjuvants for the H7N9 vaccine. Ah, we're going to talk about that. Adjuvants have been tied by the CDC to serious flu vaccine side effects. So this is a whole other ball or or, or can of worms we're dealing with here. Okay, so we're going to get into the whole adjuvant subject in in a minute here. I haven't talked about that in a little while, and and it's something that we need to retouch on. Because they're planning on using that in the old H7N9 vaccine they're going to have. Um, The Congress is seeking to vastly overfund the Vaccine Injury Trust Fund. Why? Because they know they're going to be getting sued like crazy. So they're going to way overfund it. They'll just throw money at it. All of the millions of deaths and injuries and whatever that will ensue from this vaccine, they're just going to throw a ton of money. Hey, when, when, you, when you can just print the money out of thin air and you own the printing press, what's that to them? You know what I mean? And that's, that's the type of fiat currency we have, so what's the big deal? So, the U.S. government is looking for tactical simulation tools to model crowd dynamics, mitigating decisions to take in light, now these are mitigating decisions to take in light of the government's hemorrhagic bird flu preparations are, and again, he's really good on supplying the info and really not that great on supplying the solutions. Uh, he says, make yourself aware of the risks that the government solutions slash actions represent to you as an individual. Okay, well, that's kind of vague and it's not really proactive. And then he says, the only other thing he says is purchase chlorhexidine gluconate, or CHG. My comment, he's already said this, this is a surgical scrub that kills germs on your skin for an extended period of time. Before it goes out of stock, see this link for details. You can click on the link, and I'm not saying not to get some, but... If it's airborne, and most likely that's the form it's going to present itself in if it's went to a pandemic level, you cannot rely on, hey, my hands are really antibacterial. Uh, I think I'm not going to get this stuff. <laughs> put your eggs in that basket. Maybe a little bit, but don't put all your eggs in that one basket, okay? Don't put your eggs in, the, in a HEPA filter, that one either. Or these puny surgical masks that are, you know, whatever, that don't even seal tightly to the skin. I mean, this is, this is, we have to understand, these are super strains, genetically modified super bugs they've engineered in uh, deep underground military bases for probably, you know, decades and decades. And this is going to be their big debut here. Now, and again, they're going to blame it on the birds, but uh-uh. <laughs> I've, I've never bought that. And if you want to know more about that, then, you know, click on my avian flu presentation because I unequivocally prove that not me, but the information bears out that the vaccines were what actually caused the Spanish flu of 1918, 1919, and the plus 50 million deaths that occurred worldwide, and that's probably a very conservative figure. Um, there's so many more factors now that would make it so much worse for the global society as a whole that did not exist in that time. 
where this could be so, so far worse than what happened then. Now, is God going to let that happen? Because this is, the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne. Father God is on the throne. So, whether he's going to let that happen prior to the tribulation, those kind of culling death numbers, I, I don't see any Bible for, you know, 80% of the population dying prior to the tribulation. You're going to have so many people dying during the tribulation. But, this could be very, very bad, though. Very, very bad. Um, and, again, that's God's business. I don't know. I'm just here as a watchman to kind of warn. Now, I'm going to go ahead and play this video uh, about 13 minutes of this video because this is also some very important stuff that he gets into that I just have to include with this particular study. And this is about the 512 million syringes. Welcome to the Potter Blog site, May 19, 2013. The U.S. government is preparing to purchase 512 million syringes for pandemic hemorrhagic bird flu vaccinations. Now, the media has not reported the hemorrhagic nature of the H7N9 bird flu, but it's uh, clearly indicated in Chinese studies uh, via the term uh, disseminated intravascular coagulation. Now, we're going to cover all of this more detail uh, later in the video, uh, but first I'm just going to give you a quick summary of the video for those of you who just want to watch for a very short bit and understand what we're talking about here. And then we'll go into further detail on what you can do about it uh, later on in the video. But here's the quick summary of what's going on here with this uh, hemorrhagic bird flu. Zoom in here, try to make it just a little easier to read. All right. The U.S. government has released a $0.6 billion medical countermeasures purchase order. It's available on BizOps. Uh, number two, H7N9 is a hemorrhagic flu. Think uh, Ebola-like. H7N9 spreads via migratory bird movements. Number four, feral... Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and pause it here for a second and advance this a little bit because a lot we just covered all this. And I'm going to see if there's any other thing that we need to cover. Okay, that's not going to happen. The, the, his website's messed up regarding... You can't advance the videos, um, at least not on my computer. Uh, I don't really think anything he covered there is not stuff I've already just covered. Uh, he's basically going to go over the, the, the sheet, but I'm going to give you the link there, and you can listen to the link. Um, his, uh, I think it's like goes into 20 minutes or whatever. Uh, I've pretty much covered all the stuff he was going to talk about anyway. So let's go to the next part of this which is entitled, The majority of the following H7N9 information was gleaned from a June 11th, 2013 public meeting of the National Vaccine Advisory Committee. Okay, so now we're starting to talk more about the vaccination issue regarding this, because I wanted to set the tone with the problem first, and then look at all the things the government's doing to prepare for this, and then get into more... What is the government solution going to be? Uh, and you knew it had to be vaccinations. So that was why I kind of wanted to segue into this. Uh, this was from, again, this public meeting of the National Vaccine Advisory Committee from June 11th of this year. And this was um, regarding the H7N9. So a human-to-human -human transmission is the government's public pandemic focus. Now, whether they mean 
human-to-human skin contact or human-to-human respiratory, I don't know. But it says a direct question about pigeon-to-human transmission was sidestepped. In other words, they really didn't want to throw up a big, huge red alarm about the pigeons. Um, They wanted to downplay that, evidently. H7N9 is of great concern because of the unusually rapid explosion in the number of cases, the minimal number of bird infections detected, meaning there's not a lot of birds infected, but there's been a lot of cases with the few birds that are infected. Uh, And then also the rapid adaptation to the mammalian receptors. We're mammals, you know. So these receptor sites for the H7N9 have... um, uh, evidently, this thing has an ability to mutate, to adapt to our receptors. Uh, the fourth point they were talked about was the vaccine will be laced with ASO7 or MF59 adjuvants. Now, I'm going to take a huge sidebar here and explain what that means. The vaccine they're already saying they're going to use for the H7N9 is going to have, and this is just one of the things they're going to put in it. Who knows what else other cocktail from you-know-where they're going to use to um, help us out with, okay? H, the, so the two adjuvants they're, going, they're admitting that they're going to use are ASO3 and MF59. Well, what's that? Well, I'm going to explain that to you. MF59 is an immuno, supposedly an immunologic adjuvant that uses squalene. Okay? We're going to talk about that in a second. What is squalene? I have talked about it in times past, but we're going to really hit that again. What is ASO3? Well, it is um, stands for adjuvant system number three and is the trade name for the squalene-based immunologic adjuvant used in various vaccine products by GlaxoSmithKline, our buddies. Um, it is used, for example, in... Uh, GSK, GlaxoSmithKline's uh, H1N1 pandemic flu vaccine, Pandemrix. Now, let's let's talk about these adjuvants. The U.S. government has paid pharmaceutical companies $7.9 billion since 2004 to develop the capacity to max, mass vaccinate the entire U.S. population by 2011. Under the perceived threat of bird or swine flu, now remember, I did a huge series when the swine flu came out too. So if you want to, if you want to hear that, key in swine in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. We did a whole series on that. I've done teachings on the avian flu, which this is an avian flu, but this is H7N9. I talked about H5N1. I believe this H7N9 is, I think, potentially way worse. I mean. With the with the H5N1, it had like I think it was like a sixty in the sixty percent kill range um, if left untreated. Well, this one has, from what I'm seeing here now, I'm talking. You do nothing. You do do medical. You don't do alternative. You do nothing. This one, supposedly, from what I'm seeing, has a one hundred percent kill rate unless you go on advanced life support. And that brings it down to about 25%. But they're not going to have hardly any of that available, and it will only go to the highest bidder when that day comes. So it might as well be 100% kill rate. Now, I'm not saying God can't protect you. I'm not saying the Lord can't deliver you out of all of this. 
I'm just really here as a watchman to kind of present the facts and, and, you know, you do as the Lord leads you. So, this is saying that they've already paid, the U.S. government's already paid $7.9 billion since 2004 to develop the capacity to mass vaccinate the entire U.S. population. And that was by the year 2011. And this was under the perceived threat of bird or swine flu. These plans have been accelerated to include the use of non-FDA-approved chemical adjuvants suspected of causing Gulf War Syndrome. We're going to talk about that. Uh, this is circumventing the FDA approval. I mean, the FDA is like Satan anyway, but it's circumventing the FDA's approval process for this potentially life-threatening chemical. In 2005, the Department of Health and Human Services published a plan with two specific goals that relate to vaccines. The first goal was to have in place, by 2011, domestic production capacity sufficient to supply vaccine vaccinations to the entire U.S. population within six months of the onset of a pandemic. The second goal was to stockpile enough doses of, of the vaccines to inoculate 20 million people as soon as, as possible after the onset of a pandemic. Here's the problem with that. Well, not only are vaccinations total pure evil and going to be one of the main depopulation tools and are one of the main depopulation tools, but typically what happens with these things is when a pandemic hits, that's when they have to start developing the vaccine because it's usually a mutated version. And if it's a mutated version, they supposedly wouldn't have had the vaccine ready and waiting in the wings. That's if the vaccines were good. But from my research, it's the it's the primary one of the primary ways by which they're going to actually spread this stuff. You, and you can go all the way back to 1918, 1919 Spanish flu to prove that. And I get into all that in the um, in the presentation I I did, and I'll give you that link here coming up. Uh, it's free on YouTube. So uh, let's go further here. So what happens when squalene is injected into humans? Okay. Your immune system recognizes squalene as an oil molecule native to your body. It is found throughout your nervous system and brain. In fact, you can consume squalene and olive oil, and not only will your immune system recognize it, you will reap the benefits of its antioxidant properties. The difference between good and bad squalene is the route by which it enters your body. See, it's not natural to get something injected into your bloodstream, typically. I mean, there's never been a time in history where that was, like, the norm. I mean, Jesus wasn't going around getting, like, inoculations and injections and things of this nature. Nobody was, okay? This is a modern-day thing. Injection is an abnormal route of entry which incites your immune system to attack all the squalene in your body, wherever it may be. Not just the vaccine adjuvant squalene. Your immune system will attempt to destroy, it perceives it as a foreign invader in this particular way, in other words. Your immune system will attempt to destroy the molecule wherever it finds it, including in places where it would occur naturally, and where it, it is vital, um, hold on here, where it is vital to the health of your nervous system. This is according to award-winning investigative journalist Gary Matsumoto, who explains there is a close match between squalene-induced diseases in animals and those observed in humans injected with this oil, which are rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, systemic lupus, erythematosis, um, lupus. There's two. There's a discoid and there's a systemic. Okay. Uh, these are autoimmune diseases. 
that we're dealing with here. Well, you'd say, well, why would vaccines cause autoimmune diseases? Well, because when you inject a vaccination into the bloodstream, again, it perceives so much of the toxic witchcraft brew in there as totally foreign to the body, as bad as it should, and the immune system will react, causing autoimmune reactions, which can manifest in different ways. It depends on the person. Some person, people, it can cause rheumatoid. Some people, multiple sclerosis. Some people, systemic lupus. Uh, Renault syndrome. Uh, there's a host of autoimmune things that can happen. Going back to this report, now there are now uh, there are now data in more than two dozen peer-reviewed scientific papers um, from ten different laboratories in the U.S., Europe, Asia, and Australia documenting that squalene-based adjuvants can induce autoimmune diseases in animals observed in mice, rats, guinea pigs, and rabbits. Okay, and let's see here. So, Sweden's uh, Karolinskia Institute has demonstrated that squalene alone can induce the animal version of rheumatoid arthritis. Now remember, this is all by design. Just like they've got the simian um, monkey virus, which SV40 virus, that it's not disputed that it was in the polio shots, okay, um, particularly when they started giving them, and it's a ticking time bomb. It literally causes cancer. It just doesn't cause cancer the moment you get it injected into your body. And all these cancer cases that we now we have now in America, you know, um, and elsewhere, wherever that would have been in there, a lot of it can be going back to that SV40 virus, and it's it's admitted. You know, they're just not going to put it up on mainstream news, but that's what has caused a huge um, cancer epidemic. Just one of the many things, because there's a lot of reasons. Going further, the Polish Academy of Sciences has shown that an animal squalene alone can produce catastrophic injury to the nervous system in the brain. University of Florida Medical School has shown that in animals, squalene alone can induce production of antibiotics specifically associated with systemic lupus. Um, writes Matsumoto. We've got our first hint at the dangers of these proprietary adjuvants when they were secretly tested on our soldiers during Gulf War. Now, in the presentation, the 16-part presentation, I'm pretty sure it's in, that I'm going to be giving you a link to a little bit later online, and you can just can if you want to find it, Dr. Scott Johnson on YouTube, uh, Avion. Do the 16-parter. There is a slide on there I have with Bill Clinton. He exacted this executive order. I give you the exact one where it says the troops um, with this executive order will be injected with, with vaccines and they do not have to be supplied with what they're getting, what's in it, and they have no right to refuse it. What would that mean? Well, that means you could literally be court-martialed because you wouldn't take their... You're an absolute total beyond guinea pig if you're in the armed services in any way, shape, or form at this point. Maybe they're not doing this to the guys that have already been in for a long time or whatever. Let's say whatever. I don't know. But particularly anyone new. Remember, returning veterans are the number one threat to them. They want to kill them while they're already in the armed services. They want to beat them down so that when they get back, they'll be a shell of a man, typically, and won't be able to fight the New World Order. And we'll just basically be dependent on the VA and the hospital and whatever uh, little trinkets, the little uh, scraps they're going to throw from their table in order to supposedly help them because they're devastated when they come back from these wars. Uh, the, the vaccinations, 
you know, the, the, the adjuvants in there, the depleted uranium. I mean, you could go on and on and on for all the reasons that American troops, you know, would come back totally decimated. So, um, key in beyond treason, depleted uranium, in the keyword search box on YouTube, watch that documentary. That's just on depleted uranium. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, these adjuvants were already sacredly tested on our soldiers during Gulf War. Gulf War veterans uh, with Gulf War syndrome received anthrax vaccinations, which contained squalene. Now, I think this is just one of the reasons they were devastated. Um, depleted uranium, there's other reasons too. Um, but the MF, the chemical weapons that they were exposed to, they had like... Uh, um, Alarms going off, chemical weapons alarms, and they were told, oh, no, no, don't, don't put on your chemical gear, it's a false alarm. I mean, garbage like this was going on all the time, and it probably, I'm sure it still is. So, MF-59, which is the Novartis squalene adjuvant, was an unapproved ingredient in the experimental... Now, remember, that's one of the ones they already said they're going to use in the H7N9 that's coming to a theater near you, coming to a neighborhood near you, when the old pandemic happens. If it does, if the Lord lets it happen, okay, this same MF-59, the one the one of the main things that caused Gulf War syn- Syndrome is the exact same adjuvant they're going to be using in mass with the H7N9, and people are going to be so desperate to get it. They won't even care about the side effects. They'll, they'll sign their whatever away. They'll probably have a disclaimer you'll sign, and it'll, it'll list a lot of this stuff. And when you get whatever it gives you, if you even survive it, okay, then, I mean, 1918-1919, Spanish bird flu, eyewitness accounts, one day, men, hale and hearty, that were hardly ever sick, literally the next day, looked like the black death had hit them, and they were dead. It occurred that fast. But back then, you didn't have the mass media. You didn't, and people were so afraid, they were just burying the bodies like crazy. They didn't even get accurate body counts. They were just frantic, you know? And they didn't have alternative media back then. They didn't have the internet. So, so you know, they, they couldn't warn everybody. Everybody was a lot more isolated. So, um, this is just unbelievable. They're going to use the same exact adjuvant, the squalene MF-59, um, which was an unapproved ingredient in the experimental anthrax vaccines and has since been linked to devastating autoimmune diseases suffered by countless Gulf War vets, according to the data published in February 2000 and August 2002 issues of Experimental and Molecular Pathology. Now, remember what I said before, though, about these vaccines? This is just going to be one ingredient. What other things could they put in there? Well, we already told you they got the uh, ability to put injectable microchips into the vaccines, Hitachi microchip dust. They have the ability to put a uh, literal microchip at the end of the needle in the end stages of quality control, literally to chip you. Um, ton of the vaccines, well over 13, are literally cultured off aborted human, aborted babies. Got into that. In fact, in the avian flu, the 16-parter, get into all that, show you the vaccines, which they're which they, they literally culture them off, aborted babies. It is an absolute cursed brew of death. 
There's all kind of other things they can do, too. They could use thimerosal. Who knows? Which is mercury. Or maybe some aluminum. Maybe some of their, their uh, detergents that they could use. We know they're going to use squalene. We also know, according to a lot of the um, research that I've been seeing over and over, and because they're trying so bad to defile our DNA, which is exactly what they were doing in Noah's day, and Jesus Christ said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of Son of Man. Well, hey, you've got them... Uh, actively trying to defile our DNA. Who knows what kind of DNA will actually be in these shots? They're trying to make us, like the transhumanism movement says, literally post-human. Human Human 2.0, where we're not fully human anymore. We've got other DNA flowing through us. Who knows what could be in these things? So, Going further, the Department of Defense made every attempt to deny that squalene was indeed an added contaminant in the anthrax vaccine administered to the Persian Gulf military personnel, deployed and non-deployed, as well as participants in the more recent anthrax vaccine immunization program. However, the FDA discovered the presence of squalene in certain lots of this anthrax vaccine immunization program product. A test was developed to detect anti-squalene antibodies in the Gulf War Syndrome patients. A clear link was established between the contaminated product uh, and all Gulf War Syndrome sufferers who had been injected with the vaccine containing squalene. A clear link with Gulf War Syndrome and the ones that had received the squalene and the vaccines. The Pentagon never told Congress about the more than 20,000 hospitalizations, I think that's incredibly conservative, uh, involving troops who took the anthrax vaccine from 1998 to 2000, despite repeated promises that such cases would be publicly disclosed. And they're not going to disclose any of that. Instead, generals and the the Defense Department officials claim that fewer than 100 people were hospitalized or became seriously ill. Just liars, fork-tongue liars. And after receiving the shot, according to an investigation by the Daily Press of Newport News... This is all linked, these articles. You can see the source articles is what I mean. A study conducted at Tulane Medical School and published in February 2000, issue of an experimental molecular pathology, included these stunning statistics. The substantial majority, 95% of overtly ill, deployed Gulf War Syndrome patients had antibodies to squalene, meaning that, that they had gotten the shots. All 100% of Gulf War Syndrome patients immunized for service in Desert Shield and Desert Storm who did not deploy, but had the same symptoms as those who did deploy, had the antibodies to squalene, meaning they had gotten the shots. In contrast, none or 0% of the deployed Persian Gulf veterans not showing signs and symptoms of Gulf War Syndrome have antibodies to squalene. So, evidently, it is a huge part of it. Now, that the depleted uranium is a whole other animal. There's other factors, too, but um, according to Dr. Vera Scheibner, PhD, a former principal research scientist for the government in Australia, this adjuvant, squalene, contributed to the cascade of reactions called Gulf War Syndrome, documented in the soldiers involved in the Gulf War. The symptoms they developed included arthritis, fibromyalgia, rashes, photosensitive rashes, malar rashes, chronic fatigue, chronic headaches, abnormal body hair loss, non-healing skin lesions, 
apathias ulcers, dizziness, weakness, memory loss, seizures, mood changes, neuropsychiatric problems, antithyroid effects, anemia, elevated ESR, which is erythrocyte sedimentation rate, systemic lupus, um, multiple sclerosis, ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, that's, that's Lou Gehrig's disease, that's some nasty stuff, that's a pretty much a total death sentence unless God heals you. Uh, Renald's phenomenon, Renald's, I had a patient with Renald's way back when I was in clinic, back in like Life Chiropractic College, and, and uh, her hands would turn like literally uh, blue, she had, it has causes, it's an autoimmune disease that causes all this circ, really crazy circulatory stuff to happen. Um, and the chiropractic really helped her, but obviously she needed more than that. Uh, Sjogren's syndrome, chronic diarrhea, night sweats, and low-grade fevers, clearly bypassing the FDA's um, requirements for safety testing of these new adjuvants and vaccines which contain them puts the entire population at risk for serious, possible life-threatening side effects, particularly any of the 12,000 trial paid trial participants who are unfortunate enough to be randomized into the adjuvant-containing groups. Now, see... The thing is, is that if this happened and people were all panicking, if they were educated ahead of time, they would know not to do this. And this is why it's good for us to warn people, because we, I mean, if you've been my listener for any length of time, you're hopefully at a high level of education, not because I'm so great, but just because this information is out there, it's verifiable, it's validatable, it's not really a word, but, you know, and... A lot of lives can be saved. I mean, physical. Now, again, the most important thing is, is are they saved or are they not? Okay, but this is a way you could actually potentially lead somebody to the Lord by giving them life-saving information, and then they would be more open to the gospel later, um, if not sooner. So, that's how I kind of look at this stuff. It can be a springboard or an ice-breaking tool. Uh, That's a big reason I I did the uh, avian flu presentation. Uh, because a lot of people would tell me, you know, their lives were changed when they watched it. Because, I mean, <laughs> the way I presented it, it was pretty tough to refute it, you know. And um, lead them to the Lord, then, uh, regarding that. So, I mean, this is something that needs to be resisted on a mass scale when they break these things out. Uh, because, you know, <laughs> it's probably going to be one of the primary ways by which eight seven n 9 is spread. And then you have all of this other toxic devil brew in there. I mean, if I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Uh, point five, adjuvants tied to narcolepsy will be correlated with the manufacturer and not the adjuvant. So it also causes narcolepsy, the squalene. The non-adjuvant dose would be um, 90 MCGs and, and take 18 months and tens of billions of dollars to produce. Okay, so this is if they were going to supposedly make this H7N9 in a non-adjuvant version, which I don't believe will happen. Uh, the H7N9 vaccine will be given in two shots. <laughs> so, two for the price of one. The person will be primed with a, quote, primed with a shot. Now, remember, this is all from that, that um, going back to the source article, this is all from that... Uh, um, uh, we're done talking about squalene now. This is all from, from this thing that they gleaned. Here, let me just read you the title again, and I'll go back to it. The majority of the following H7N9 information was gleaned from a June 11, 2013, public meeting of the National Vaccine Advisory Committee. So I'm, I've done, I'm done talking about 
squalene. Now I'm going back to the points they were mentioning in this lecture. Um, the um, H7N9 vaccine will be given in two shots. This is what the government's saying here. The person will be primed with a shot containing a live attenuated virus. So now they're primed. So they got one foot on a banana peel and one in the grave. Okay, that's how they're going to prime you. Okay? Um, and then the person will later receive a second shot with an inactivated virus. So literally, they're going to use a live attenuate. They're going to actually have H7N9 in there. A live attenuate. What does attenuate mean? Partially killed, but it's live. So, well, doesn't that mean I could catch it from it? You better believe it. That's what happened to all the 1918-1919 Spanish flu people that died. They received the vaccine. They were dead the next day. Many, many times. Hale and Hardy one day, dead the next. I think we might see something similar here. I don't think they're going to be as flagrant. I don't think they could get away with that in today's day and age. But <laughs> they're admitting that they're going to use, not only the squalene, who knows what else in there, who knows what kind of foreign DNA, who knows the potential for microchips in the things, but they're also going to use a live attenuated H7N9 virus. Total insanity. Point eight, only the two-shot pattern generates a robust and rapid immunogenic response to the H7N9 vaccine. So see, you got to have both shots have a robust and rapid immunogenic response. See if they can space it out, and then maybe chemtrail us, and maybe, you know, people aren't going to be dropping dead over one particular thing. No, they're going to like, yeah, Carl, he died, you know, a week after the shot. You know, Pam, she died two days after the shot. Um, Albert, he died five days after his second shot. You know, um... Uh, Max over there, he died a month after second shot. See, if they can do it that way, they're going to come out smelling like a rose, kind of. If people don't start putting two and two together. And you know the, the national, you know, mainstream media whores, the, the prostitutes, they're not going to, um, they're, they're not going to help matters. They're just going to be spewing propaganda. And then warning against radical conspiracy theories like what I'm putting out now, even though it's easily verifiable. Okay, so again, you know, it's something we really need to know about here. Now, 9.9, the vaccine, it says this. This is what they're admitting to, okay? This is unbelievable to me. They're saying the vaccine will not give immunity. (laughs) So, you're going to get a live, attenuated H7N9 vaccine with squalene, and who knows, Lord knows what else. But it's not going to give you immunity. Rather, it will only lessen the symptoms. Are you kidding me? You're going to take all this risk just so you might lessen your symptoms? Yes, I died symptom-free in the casket. You know? I made it to the casket (laughs) symptom-free. It's total insanity. I think, though, they think they fluorided us down enough, medicated us enough, hormoned us up enough with all the stuff and the plastics and the meats and everything else, toxified us enough with the chemtrails and the, and the chemicals and 
all these things to affect brain function and everything in our body, that they can actually pull this off. And they're probably right. Lord, I mean, barring the Lord intervening. Barring some kind of mass awakening between now and then. I'm giving you a pre-heads up on this. This hasn't went down yet, but I think we're going to see this this fall. Or possibly at the latest this winter. Some variation of this. If they can pull this off. Now, with enough people praying about it, will the Lord's hand move again and avert it? He did with the swine flu. He did with the H5N1. I did not think we were going to make it out of 2006 before the H5N1 hit. And here it is, seven years later. So, like I said, I've never claimed to be a prophet, but I think that a lot of times when you do something, though, and enough people are praying and or fasting about it, God's hand will move, and something that Satan might have been planning, he can't do it now. Too many praying Christians. That's how I look at this. So, um... Point 10, Alaska is the natural path for the H7N9 pandemic to spread. Alaska. Why? Because that's where the migratory birds come over. Major cities, uh, point 11, major cities of feral pigeon populations are the biowarfare path to spread the H7N9. So if I was you and I had pigeons, now granted, is it really going to come through the birds? Are they just going to blame the birds? Or is it going to come... Like it was in 1819, I don't know. I think there's going to be a component there. I don't think they can be as flagrant as they were back then. But, you know, I wouldn't be wanting to raise pigeons right now. You know what I mean? Just to be on the safe side. Um, So, point 12. Levels of concern raised in the meeting don't match the amount of money being poured into the H7N9. So in other words, they weren't really acting like it was a big deal in the meeting so much, even though these points seem like a big deal to me. But then you look at all the money that's being thrown at it. You look at all the money that's being thrown to the specific rim. All this prepositioning of medical stuff. Why? I mean, what's going on? You, you must know something I don't know. Yeah, they do. To understand what the CDC expects to happen in this situation, watch the movie Contagion. And or outbreak, but I don't know. I mean, I think Contagion is PG-13. Outbreak, I'm pretty sure, is R. So it'd be better to get the television version, where they're not, like, all cussing and everything. Um, That movie was, in essence, written and directed by the CDC as a budget-raising propaganda movie. And also, the Illuminati always telegraphs their punches, so they always going to tell you what they're going to do ahead of time. Now, there's been a lot more movies other than that. And it, it goes on to say, watch it with a critical eye. And you will get some indication of what the CDC will and won't tell you and what their best hopes are. (laughs) Their best hopes are to cull the population. Now, we're just about done here. Um, I'm just going to touch on this. And this is my um, Word document that I attached at the end. And it's called, Days Ahead, What to Expect and How to Prepare. Proactive Measures in the Event of a Pandemic. Now, this I wrote in regard to H5N1. Okay? Uh, protocol, I would recommend. I would go more on the high end of this protocol if you literally contracted H7N9. Now, granted, I don't know 100% how this is all going to play out. I don't know if it's just going to be, be the people vaccinated. I would say they'd be at the most risk. I'd say that they would be at the highest rate of dropping dead. Absolutely. Just like it was, you know, in 1918, 1919, Spanish flu. 
But again, I don't think they're going to be, they could be that flagrant this time. I think there's going to be binary and tertiary agents. Chemtrail releases, some of it might literally be the birds, some of it's going to be the vaccinations, some of it may be some other way. That way they can hedge their bets and not look so flagrant. Okay, I think that's what they're, how they would do this. If you were Satan, wouldn't that kind of be the way you would approach it? There's, now, granted, if they shut down alternative media, all alternative media, including shortwave, we were going to kind of be back to the 1918-19 as far as info, transportation, potentially. If we got hit with an EMP attack, we'd really be back there. So, who knows? I don't know. But my guidelines for H5N1 were as thus. One teaspoon to one tablespoon. Now, that's a lot. One tablespoon, that's a ton. For every 30 pounds of body weight per day, meaning you would split the dosage up. If you weighed 150 pounds, let's say, low dosage would be one teaspoon um, five times a day. Because 30 times five is 150. Okay? Um, if you, let's say, say seven and nine, you knew you had it, I would go with the one tablespoon dose. Um, per 30 pounds of body weight, Per day, at least for the first day, until you saw symptomatic improvement. Now, if you go into it and you've already been taking, like, let's say your flora, building up your own immune system, food state vitamin C, D3, those are the main ones. Maybe you're taking some zinc. Not to say that's the only thing, okay? Maybe you're taking some echinacea. I don't know. That's all good. That is going to prime your system. Now, remember what I said before? about primary immune system function and secondary, okay, this is where the silver shines. I don't take the silver every day, okay? Why? Because silver in the body, yes, there is a certain physiologic need for silver as a trace mineral, yes, I think that's been proven. But it's not something you need to consume in large doses every day, okay? I'll take it two, three times a week, a couple droppers full. Like I have the the eyedroppers, okay? Like, fill it up, I don't know, it's like 20 drops or something, 15. I'll do that two, three times a week. That's it. Hold it under my, under my tongue for three to four minutes and swallow it. Okay, I, put, I hit my tongue with peppermint oil. The organic peppermint oil, by now, N-O-W, you can get it on herbspro.com. And it makes a world of difference. It's also a great breath freshener. It's also great if you get overheated. You can kind of put it on your forehead and the back of your neck, rub it on your ears. And um, now remember, some people are more sensitive. I can do it straight. Not everybody can do it straight. You might want to dilute it with a carrier oil like um, oh, uh, coconut oil, um, that type of thing, sesame oil. Anyway, because <clears throat> it's strong stuff. The now organic, I like it the best. Hit your tongue with it. You want the silver does not taste good. Something that concentrated will not taste good. Okay, if you get the silver and you're like, "Hey, this is brown," this is this is it's because it's so concentrated. But the stuff in the health food store is clear. Yes, because it's so weak. <laughs> you can't even see the silver in in solution. This stuff is thick, dark brown. It's mild silver protein. It's five thousand parts per million. It's literally one hundred times, or sometimes one thousand times stronger than what you would get in a health food store. When you have something 1,000 times stronger, 1,000 times more concentrated, it's going to be a lot darker. Okay, so it's not bad. It's got an incredible shelf life, and that's the way it's supposed to be. 
So anyway, um, I don't want to sound condescending. I'm just saying, I, I wanted to throw that out there. So, because I get it, I understand. I used to take the clear stuff, and, and, and I was a little bit shocked too when I saw it for the first time. So, uh, anyway, personally, if it were me, I would do, if you if you knew you'd been exposed, I would do the one tablespoon per every 30 pounds of body weight per day. Okay, if it was H7N9. Or any virulent governmental created strain. Okay, I that's what I would go with. Um, you know, remember, there's three teaspoons in one tablespoon. Not two, three. Okay, there's only 24 teaspoons per four ounce bottle of the silver. Okay, I wish it was more. I'm not the manufacturer. Okay, I have nothing to do with the manufacturing process. I don't have, you know, uh, like stock in this company. I don't think they're a stock trader or whatever. I, I don't know. I know the owner. Okay, but I don't have anything to do with the manufacturing process. I'm not working for the company or whatever with the company. I'm just a doctor they work with. And so this is my position. I just highly recommend it because I think for what we're seeing here, this would be the main, main product. If you could only have one thing on hand, this is what I would go with. Why do I say that? Okay, you can build your primary immune system up all you want, but this type of viral storm that will ensue from something like H7N9 that's not normal to the human body, most likely created in a laboratory, you need to take extraordinary measures. Now, can the Lord Jesus Christ intervene and protect you? 100%. 100%. You know, and there's a lot of verses and psalms you could pray. I'm not saying you have to have this. If the Lord's not leading you to go this route, don't go that route. But I'm trying to give you all your options here, in case you do so feel led. Um, H7N9, really, really nasty stuff. Hemorrhagic. Um, I would go with the one tablespoon per 30 pounds per body weight, and you, you would you'd want to split that up. Okay, so in other words, if you weighed 150 pounds... You knew you got it, you do one tablespoon five times a day, okay, and you're literally one tablespoon, uh, three times five, so um, you would literally do like more than half a bottle your, your first day if you were 150 pounds. So, again, this isn't though something I would perceive you would have to stay at that dosage for very long for. Unless you continually kept, let's say it really, really was virulently respreading. But once your immune system and the silver are working in conjunction to eradicate this, hopefully you would have uh, some level of immunity there. Okay. Um, I didn't explain what I was saying to you before. Primary immune system, you build up with things like D3, vitamin C, zinc, flora. This is going to be, if what they're saying is true, more than your primary immune system could handle if you literally contracted it. Let's say you got the vaccines. Let's say whatever. Okay. At that point, the best thing you could do is to bring on some type of secondary immune system function. This is what antibiotics are. They're basically saying to the immune system, you know what, you're stupid and you're idiotic. I can do a better job this drug. Okay. That's how an antibiotic works. Silver doesn't do that to your immune system. But it does work independently 
outside of your own immune system and with your own immune system to eradicate this. It helps your primary immune system work better, but it also will work independently of it. The silver will go and will kill viruses, bacteria, or fungus, regardless of how your primary immune system is doing. That's the gigantic advantage. And if you can flood your body with high part per million solution at a high dose level, that's what you would need for this type of viral storm. That you're, This is what they actually literally refer to as it's a viral storm. When you're talking about H5N1, H7N9, these types of really, really nasty strains. So that's the difference, okay? So, <clears throat> I'm just reading this. Uh, the one tablespoon dosage would be used for life-threatening situations. I mean, that's like the max dosage. This dosage should be equally broken up and taken in three-hour intervals. So you don't take it all at once. You take it in three-hour intervals. Um, uh, you want to drink a lot of water with this, okay? Not with the dosage, but, you know, wait, you know, 15, 20, 25 minutes. Drink at least eight eight-ounce glasses of purified water per day. That's the mi- If you were taking really a ton, you'd really want to drink more than that. Why? You're trying to flush the body of all the dead virus or bacteria, whatever you're battling, out of you. If you don't take, take in enough water, the bu- bloodstream can literally become toxic with all the dead bacteria, viruses, candida, that you're creating by taking massive doses of silver. Okay? Then you, get, then you go into detox, Herxheimer effect, where you feel like just beyond garbage. And if you're already feeling terrible from contracting this stuff, you don't want to feel any worse. So the water is essential to flush all that out of you. Okay? Um, and if um, mild silver protein can also be used topically with DMSO, which you can get at most health food stores or on herbspro.com, over an infectious site. Now, granted, that would be more if it was more internal. You can apply it topically. You can also apply iodine topically over. And when you get into MRSA, you get into open wounds, you can use the mild silver protein topically with iodine um, in order to do it that way. That's a kind of a different thing, though. Because the, the 5,000 part per million silver is um, only available in 4-ounce bottles, it would be wise to keep at least a few bottles for each adult family member and two for each child in your household. It's kind of minimum. And, you know, I'm sorry. I, again, I don't have any control over over the, the company, over any kind of price. I will say this. If you look at what you get in one bottle of the 5,000 part per million silver, and you look at, like, let's say you, get, you go to the health food store and buy a 5 part per million, which is typical. Okay. You're literally getting something that's 1,000 times more concentrated. You start doing the math on that, and you start to look at how many bottles of that five part per million you would have to buy to equal one bottle of 5,000, it gets into the stratosphere real quick as far as the money you would have to spend to equal that. Not only that, it doesn't take up a lot of shelf space. So it's not, I mean, literally, you could literally throw this in, in a, some, some, some of these bottles in a backpack and go and have, you know, this for your whole family, and it doesn't take up a lot of room. That's another huge advantage. They do make it at a 10,000, which is even twice as concentrated. It's a little bit more expensive, though, to buy it that way. So I recommend the 5, because if you wanted to, you could just take twice the amount. But the 10 is even more concentrated. Uh, You'd have to get that through my website. I'm probably going to start carrying that pretty soon. 
if things don't implode real quick. But right now I don't have it. I have I have up to 5700, which is the 5700 ES, which is extra penetra- extra penetration. But those are expensive. Those bottles. Um, so I typically tell people, and it's for specific things on the ES, and you could go up on the website and find out. But I typically just refer people to the five. Um, but they do have ten. They have ten seven ES extra penetration strength. So that's all available on the website, doctor-symboljohnson.com. Um, and I give you links here too. So I write in here, view this like an insurance policy that hopefully you'll never have to use. Even if you don't use this product in the event of a pandemic, it can be diluted and taken on an everyday basis to keep the immune system strong. I tell people, adult dosage, if you if you wanted to do it every day, 10 to 15 drops. I mean, it lasts a ton. There's like over 2,000 drops per bottle or something. I mean, if you did 10 drops, it was over 2,000. It's like a 200-day supply um, per bottle. And that's if you did it every day, and I don't even do it every day, personally. Um, so... It can be very cost-effective if you use it that way. Uh, they have a 15-year shelf life per bottle. Currently, the expiration dates are 2027. Um, there's no colloidal silver in any form that can even come close to their shelf life. Why? Because it is so stable. They found a way to stabilize it. And there's never been one case of Argyria, which is the people turning gray that you see on the, on the news, reported from taking in five silver. Yeah, but all the all those companies are coming out and saying it's all mild silver that's turning everybody gray. If you look at those news reports, these people wear it like a badge of honor. They're like like the blue man, that guy who looks he looks like a smurf. That dude, it showed him right there in his living room. He says, "Yeah, this is this is what I do every day." And he has his little cheap generator hooked up to his nine volt battery, hooked up to the ninety nine point nine percent silver rods. Making electrical ionic silver. I drink whatever, 16 ounces a day, and it turned me gray. Yeah, because it's cheap, cheap silver that turns into silver chloride as soon as it either hits your bloodstream or your stomach acid. Silver chloride is unstable. It's not an active form of silver in the body, and it causes argyria, which is when the silver builds up in the soft tissue. But even then, do you realize that argyria doesn't kill you? It just turns you into a smurf. But it doesn't kill you. Even then, it's purely cosmetic. I met a lady in Topeka when I was doing the tour. She came up to me. She was morbidly gray. She And these people are all proud. She's like, yep. She says, um, almost like in defiance of what I was saying about in Five Silver, she's like, yep, I make my own silver, making a generator every day, drink 16 ounces a day, and it turned me gray. But I don't ever get sick. I'm like, well, there you go. Uh, good for you? You know, I'm like, I don't know what to say to this lady, you know? And so, you know, it was cool. Okay. I met a guy in Bellevue when I used to uh, speak down there in Florida. And um, he was great. I thought he had cancer when I first saw him. Is that power, you know? He wasn't really super, like, she looked like she was fresh out of the casket. That look, you know? Um, He didn't look quite that bad, but he looked like there was something really wrong with him. Found out he was doing his own generator somewhere. It's the people that make it with the generators. It's cheap, electrically made, silver ions that get converted into silver chloride as soon as it hits the bloodstream or the stomach acid. Silver chloride is an inert form of silver in the body. It has like a five-second life where it'll do you some good. 
before it hits the chloride ions. Okay, great for topical use, but I want to do it for everyday consumption. Not if you're going to do lots of it, that's for sure. Unless you want to get turned gray. Now, I don't know very many people, but they're going to they're going to bring the little amount of people that even it turns gray through the ionic silver out and like their dog and pony show. This is our poster boy for colloidal silver. Why? Because they want to demonize it because it works. But ionic silver is not the same thing as mild silver protein and vibe mild silver protein. Totally like apples and oranges. Okay? Um, mild, the, and vibe mild silver protein will not turn into sodium, uh, silver chloride when it, hits the, when it hits the bloodstream or the stomach acid. It will not do that. It's still active. So, anyway, I give you a whole bunch of links here. You can click on if you want to know more. Uh, the truth about mild silver protein... Uh, rebuttal of promoters' misinformation because there's more misinformation on colloidal silver on the internet than any other subject I've ever seen. Why is that? Money. Money. I worked with a company called Utopia Silver for a while. I didn't work with them, but I had a website kind of through them, like as a, I don't know, like a affiliate. Remember, they used to have those a lot. And I, ta- I remember being on the phone with that dude, the guy that owned the company, he was supposedly a qu- uh, Christian, and it was 30 bucks a bottle for a four-ounce bottle of clear liquid. I never really saw that great results. I saw some. And that guy told me, point blank, he says, you know what? He says, I got more. And he made it electrically. Now, it was much better than if you make it with a, a silver generator. It had a much higher particulate level of silver in it. It wasn't, I think it was like a... Uh, 90% colloidal and 10% ionic, something like that. It's the same as Utopia Silver. Um, it, it's it's um, uh, a word that Meso Silver. They're all the same company, essentially. And that guy, the owner of the company, told me and chuckled over the fact that per bottle when he made this, he had more money in the bottle and then the packaging and the styrofoam packaging shipping it than he did. Far more in that than he did in making each bottle of silver. That's how cheap it was to make. Okay. And then it wasn't too long after that, I believe the Lord showed me um, about this product. Kind of in a miraculous way. Anyway, I've I've went into that before. Um, Anyway, you want to know more about it? I give you a whole bunch of information here. Uh, Here is my... The actual DVD that I did on Avion Flu Killer of Millions. You can still get that at the Prophecy Club if you want to get the actual DVD. Uh, they've always made sure they took it off the uh, YouTube because uh, they got a rash in the bullets over there and they got to make sure they're making their money, which I think is beyond ridiculous. Anyway, um, every once in a while you'll see it up there, the actual. But the ones I did, I will say in all fairness, the ones that I have up there now, the 16-parter, which I give you the link here, it's on about page 12, or when I get the PDF all done, 12, probably about page 12. Uh, it's more complete, it's more updated. I went over a lot of stuff I went over today. I also give you that link to the colloidal silver, mild silver protein, is history, it's uses, or you can go to my website, click on it there. And then a shorter one I did on avian flu population control, H5N1, and biological warfare. That's a five-parter if you don't want to listen to the whole 16-part one. Because I know it's a pretty big time commitment. Um, other things you can do. North American Urban Spice Super Strength Oregano P73. Now, it's not the only thing I would rely on, but it is also good to have this for immune system function, particularly in the event of a pandemic. It would work, be complementary to the silver. Uh, invest in a personal nebulizer. Now, I have nowhere, no advice to give you on where to get one. 
because they're prescription only now. I don't know. You might have to get creative. You might have to go overseas to find one. I don't know. I found one on an online pawn shop. But you can get the actual silver into the lung fields. 100 part per million is what Invive has told me to never go beyond that. Okay? For a lung infection. Personally, I've used like 500. I can't tell you to do that, but I have. Okay? Um, they're saying use 100 part per million miles of a protein straight into a nebulizer. Inhale that into the sinus and the lung fields. If this was something that was passed through respir- respiration, somebody coughs, you breathe it in, this would be one of the most direct ways to attack it. Um, a good whole food multivitamin as a just a, something to be on as a foundational product, like I said earlier. Two big ones I recommend are by Drucker Labs, uh, which is if you want to do a liquid, the 415 organic nutrient complex is all in one liquid formulation. Kind of has everything but the kitchen sink in there. Not huge therapeutic doses of any one thing, but a very, very complete product. It's not cheap, but again, you get what you pay for. I give you the link to that. I give you an 800 number and into my referral code if you order, because you have to be referred by a physician. So consider this a little consultation if you've heard this. And then you can also click on the link to see what it has in it. Um, innate response formulas, they make whole food vitamins. I have, I've been recommending the one-a-days because they're simple. They have a men over 40. They have a men under 40. They have a woman over 40 and a woman under 40. So they got four different ones. I'm trying to keep it simple, but also semi-targeted. So one-a-day, it's simple to take. Uh, a bottle contains two-month supply, and they're... The under 40s are 35, and the over 40s are 40. So, even for a two-month supply, um, if you're over 40, you're looking at something you would end up paying 20 bucks a month for, for a literal whole food, food state vitamin. And you just can't get that hardly any place. Uh, gas mask recommendations. Now, remember what I said before, you really should have some type of mask in the event of a pandemic that has a seal to the skin, a rubber seal to the skin. Um... Invest in gas masks for each member of your house, if the Lord leads you. But remember, the gas mask is only as good as the seal to your skin, so don't put all your eggs in this basket. And I give you a link to that. I'm not saying you got to buy the gas masks there. It's just a, a site I found that seemed like they had some good stuff. Then I give you a whole bunch of other stuff in this thing. Uh, Strategic Relocation, North American Guide to Safe Places, Dare to Prepare, Stan Deo's book, Prudent Places USA. I give you a lot of options there as far as relocation. Then I give you um, the top five priorities in emergency preparedness, uh, excellent emergency medical supplies. Uh, I'll give you a link to that. They're the doomandbloom.net. They're really got some good stuff there. They have some good DVDs too on emergency medicine. Um, and then the Doomsday Bunker. Um, if you, you could, these are ones you can actually make yourself if you have the ability to do it. Uh, fallout shelter above ground, fallout shelter modified ceiling, fallout shelter concrete basement. These are fallouts for radiation, but these could also be used as a containment area in the event of a pandemic. Um, and then emergency crisis protocols, establishing operational guidelines in times of crisis. There's a video on that. And then just more, just good general stuff on what to do. And particularly if you've never heard any of this information, this would be kind of like one-stop shop, and you could click on a lot of these links and get up to speed fairly quickly. That's if you have the dedicated time to sit down and read a lot of the stuff. Um, but that's what I'm all about trying to do is just help getting people up to speed as quickly as possible. So um, 
Yeah, it's just about 5 o'clock where I'm at, 5 a.m. And I'm going to go ahead and close out here, and we're done for today. I'm probably looking at a study in about, mm, not this weekend coming, but the next weekend. I'm hoping to, unless something cataclysmic happens, and I'll try to get on, on air if I can. So God bless you, and uh, we'll close out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for this day, for all your goodness, for all your mercy, for all your provision, for all your grace, for all your goodness, for the Lord Jesus Christ, for salvation through him, through his shed blood on the cross of Calvary, Lord. I just praise you and honor you and thank you for all these things. I pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that would not have dominion over us, that we remember to put on the full armor of God every day to pray for um, our family members, for those unsaved around us, Lord, that you would save our unsaved family members and our friends and co-workers and things of this nature, that the fear of God would be upon them, that if you could use this information in any way, shape, or form, Lord, to uh, as an ice-breaking tool, Lord, to lead them to the truth, I pray you would do that. The Holy Spirit conviction would be upon them, that your angels would go before us to prepare the way, Lord, um, that we would be accounted worthy, Lord, to escape all the things that are coming upon this earth and to stand before the Son of Man, that we would be more than overcomers through the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what lay ahead, that you give us discernment and wisdom and that you make our past plain, Lord, because of our enemies, and that you give us that courage um, and that fortitude and the ability to fight no matter what. I mean, fight most likely, Lord, and primarily on our knees through prayer, but to fight the forces of evil, Lord, to be good soldiers. And um, we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.